The first paragraph that I'm going to talk about is on page 27. Finally, content analysis is concerned with the coding of manifest content rather than latent content. Manifest content refers to the material that actually appears and requires a minimum of interpretation by the coder. Latent content is content that might become apparent after a coder has interpreted or read between the lines of the message before coding. For example, a coder might classify the following statement in a TV sitcom as a compliment. Gee, Jerry, that's a real attractive outfit you're wearing. The surface meaning of this statement suggests that it should be coded as a compliment. However, it might be apparent from other cues in the program, perhaps the vocal tone of the person who spoke, that the statement was uttered with sarcasm and was not actually intended as a compliment. It might even take special knowledge about the character's personality in order to make a clear interpretation about whether the statement was sarcastic. If the coder classified the statement as an insult instead of as a compliment, that might be an example of coding the Latin content. As you can probably begin to appreciate, the issue of manifest versus Latin content is controversial among content analysis. Some researchers are inclined to code only the manifest content and discuss alternative interpretations after the data have been analyzed. Other researchers may be interested in coding the Latin content directly as long as agreement among, among different coders can be established. I think it's really important to note the difference between manifest content and Latin content um, because when we're doing studies and when you know you're working with content analysis you do need to be focusing on like what actually appears instead of what you are just interpreting um <clears throat> so i think this paragraph had a lot of good information about how to um, analyze certain situations and if it's appropriate for for what study you're doing so the next paragraph is on page 31 the survey method is probably the most familiar method to the average citizen. If you haven't actually participated in a survey as a respondent in the past month, you've almost certainly heard the results of at least one survey reported by the mass media. The quest by politicians and government officials for an accurate gauge of public opinion has served to refine me the methods of survey research over the years. Today, sample surveys play a vital part in the government process. Mitt Romney and Barack Obama used sample surveys throughout their fierce battle for the presidency in 2012 to determine where they needed to concentrate their campaigning. The U.S. Census Bureau relies heavily on sample surveys to reveal information about the changing demographics in the population. So the reason I wanted to talk about this paragraph is because surveys are very important and we use them a lot if we're, we answer them or we come up with them to get information. I think it's probably one of the easiest and most convenient ways uh, to receive information. I use them a lot for work, whether it be just, you know, figuring out the best way to contact members or preferences based on something. Um, they really are the best way to get information from people quickly. So I think it's important for us to know how surveys work um, and the best ways we can use them. So the next paragraph that I want to talk about is on page 45. One topic that some media researchers have shown interest in over the years is how our media use affects our emotional moods. In fact, a researcher named Dolph Selman has proposed an entire theory on this topic known as mood management theory. The theory states that people deliberately use media to alter their moods. For example, suppose you were in a bad mood and you had the chance to play a video game. Would playing the game help you alleviate your negative mood? 
Recently, Nicholas Bauman and Ron Tamburini attempted to answer this question by conducting an experiment to see whether a person's negative mood could be repaired in a more positive direction as a result of playing a flight simulator video game. According to the theory, one reason people turn to media to repair a negative mood is because of the intervention potential of media use. Put simply, using media can distract a person from their negative mood and cause them to feel better. If this logic is correct, the more involved a person becomes with media, the more their negative mood should dispute, dissipate. A closer look at how Bowman and Tamburini's experiment on mood management should help you to see how this method works to document media effects. So I think this is really interesting to consider that the media can help improve your mood. Um, in the study, they really only used one game, um, so they didn't have a wide variety of different types of media. So I think that this could be relative and depending on what type of media you're consuming is going to affect your mood. Um, but I can definitely speak from experience. Like if you are in a bad mood and like watching your comfort show really does put you in a good mood. So I think that's something um, that is important to know.